Hi everyone and welcome to the Akin Asia podcast. I'm Nikki, the director of Akin Asia, and twice a month I will interview a female thought leader and talk with her about her experience, her ideas, and the projects that she's working on. At the end of each discussion, our guest will connect us with a woman who inspires her, so we can interview her next. This week, we are joined by Madeline from The Sustainable Self, and we talk to her at Bangkok University, where she is a full-time lecturer. Good morning, Madeline. Good morning, Hickey. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm well, I'm well. You are our very first guest on this newly created podcast that Akin Asia is doing. I went on to ask Madeline about her brand, The Sustainable Self. I was interested to know whether this self had become part of her own identity. Absolutely. I mean, when I started thinking about doing a page or going into any direction, I, th- I wanted to make it as easy as possible for mm. everyone because it's not about me only. It's everyone could be a sustainable self mm-hmm. if they start changing. So I've been playing around with the word and I said, you know what, everyone can be their own sustainable self. And I think this is one of the reasons why I selected this because I didn't want to make it only about me. Each one of us can take responsibility. Yeah, so it's the self, it's whether it's you, whether that's me, whether that's even an organization or an institution. So you live, you say that you live a nearly zero waste lifestyle here in Bangkok. Tell us about that nearly. Yes. Why is it nearly zero waste? When I, when I started the whole zero waste journey, I've done a lot of research, like Bia Johnson, who's written a book about the zero waste home, mm-hmm. and, but that's focusing on living in a very Western lifestyle. That's completely different in Asia. We don't even have access to nearly all the things that help me become or reduce my waste. Absolutely. You know, my bamboo toothbrush um, I get from Indonesia even though the bamboo grows here. Uh, There's a lot of issues when you start analyzing the waste itself because on average uh, a Thai produces 1.15 kilo per person per day. 1.15 kilo per person per per day. Per day. Yes, and a Westerner is expected around 1.4 kilos, 1.5. Can I just ask where where are those numbers coming from? Um, different research facilities, like I, I do a lot of uh, follow-up with the pollution department here in Thailand. Um, the Western information I get from research facilities because, you know, it's, it's important to understand how much waste we create and what can be reduced. And this is where I've learned a lot about the process and that's why I said, you know what, I cannot say 100% because of my dietary limitations, all my gluten-free products still come quite heavily packaged. Mm -hmm. They might be mixed like carton and plastic, but it's still an item that I don't see can be recycled properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toilet paper, you know, in in Europe, you can buy it in paper, enrolled in paper. Here, it's still only plastic. So I buy the biggest one possible. Make it last as long as possible. (laughs) possible. (laughs) But then I also have less packaging, you know, that I might throw one plastic cover away every two months instead of buying just one in four Mm -hmm. so it's a whole process of you know how much do i reduce my waste and it's not only the physical waste that we see but every product before it's produced it also produces waste Mm -hmm. so this is 
how far I take it actually. It's like the products that I use that help me to reduce my waste, but in what way are they being produced? How much of that waste is being diverted to landfill? So that's what I also take into consideration. So over the past few years, you've taken to, to teaching others how to live with less um, mm -hmm. and providing insights on the current waste and environmental issues, as well as simple solutions. Um, you've also, you are also a full-time lecturer at Bangkok University in international tourism where you also actively promote sustainable behavior with your students. So how long have you been living this nearly zero waste lifestyle in Bangkok? Two years, over two years actually now. Over two years. Yeah, over two years. I started two years ago to analyze the waste I have. Okay. And so that was, that was kind of the very starting point yes, for you? Yes, is when I pulled out, I've always been green. I've always had my bag, I've always had my bottle, but I didn't really pay attention Sometimes, like I would take a plastic bag before. And then the trip to Kobangan Island really ruffled me in some ways. And I've been living here for five years now. Like, have I been really that blind? Right. You know, and that's when I went back home. I dumped my waste on the kitchen table and I said, okay, the change has to start yeah. with me. Yeah. And that's when I realized that I've also become part of the circle of not paying attention where my food or my products were coming from. So it's been a learning curve. You know, I analyzed my first waste, which was 25 to 30 kilos. Per, and I was per month, per month, which I was shocked because I was like, here I am, the green, always conscious person. But yet again, I found foam in my container, I found plastic wrapping. I looked in my bathroom and I was like, you know what? I'm just like everyone else. And I said, it's my responsibility to lead the change. So Madeline, in the, in the time that you've been living this nearly zero waste lifestyle, what are some of the changes that you've seen happening specifically in Bangkok as a result of your work? Maybe to start with, it's the surrounding community. Mm. You know, um, friends, friends not only living in Bangkok, is that because using technology, it's amazing on just by simply posting what I do on how many people I actually have become part of the change without me even having to identify anything. I also see that Bangkok is changing, that there are more people, local people who are interested to join, to learn more about the options of bulk shopping, the difficulties with chemicals in the products. You know, when you go to the farmer's markets, you have more uh, greener options, even though they still come in plastic wrapping, when you start a conversation with, the, with them of what you're looking for, they're willing to change. Mm. So I see that there's more openness. I mean, I just had an interview with a local Thai magazine, which is read by a lot of Thais. So that shows that there's more concern mm. for how are the products or how is human society impacting the environment. Absolutely. And that's just been in the past two years that you've, yeah. that you've really been... I mean, I would say maybe in less than two years. Actually, in the last year, I feel like there's a huge interest. I mean, with the, if I compare the Bangkok River cleanup coming up this year mm -hmm. compared to last year, what a huge change. I mean, this Absolutely. year we're working with nine hotels around uh, Chao Phraya plus embassies. So, there's more people that want to get involved mm. 
But again, it goes back to awareness, mm-hmm. education, and this is where we have to find solutions. Absolutely, I think that's that's so important, and that's actually something that I want to touch on a little bit later. But we'll come back to mm-hmm. that. I have a confession to make. <laughs> to start <laughs> with. Okay. When I first met you, I think it was about three years ago. Okay. And yeah, two to three years ago, and you were at the very beginning of your journey, I think, mm. with the sustainable self. And you were very passionate about about this work and about creating this zero waste lifestyle for yourself and, and also influencing the community and the people around you. And my confession is that I was really intimidated, actually, to be honest, by what you were doing what you stood for and just yourself and your passion. And I was in preparing for the, for the interview, I was, I was really trying to reflect and think about why was I so intimidated by Madeline? Why, like, why did I feel, why did I have that, that feeling? And I realized that it was because when you, when you're talking about zero waste, when you're talking about plastic, when you're talking about how much plastic and, and waste that we consume, I knew, I knew this, I knew this in myself, I knew the statistics that you were telling me, I knew that my consumption habits were bad, but the bit that I found overwhelming was that you were creating change in your lifestyle, but I was wondering how do I actually, how do I change myself and what are some small ways that I can, that I can actually change my own behavior and that was why I was intimidated, I was like wow, Madeline's actually walking the talk and and mm. making change herself before kind of going out there and, and preaching it to to the community so that's i i mean i i really admire i i completely admire the work that you do and i think it's really really important but for me it was just a little bit intimidating to start with because i was like wow madeline's actually doing this this is fantastic so that's why i really admire your work and what you're doing now but i wanted to to just touch to, to give you a look i guess that story um to say how it how it mm-hmm. touched me and to also ask where this passion came from. So where did it, again, kind of going right back to the beginning, did you have a Madeline in your life that um, was creating change around you as well, that influenced you, or was it, it was this trip to Copenhagen? Tell us a little bit more about that. Oof, wow, that was powerful. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I'm sitting on this chair because it's, it makes me also feel very emotional because uh, mm. what I always tell people at talks that I don't want them to feel intimidated and that they cannot do anything about it because in the end, it's taking the first step and you have to start small mm. because everyone lives in a different situation with different surroundings mm. and I made my surroundings work by communicating with everyone. Whether they could understand me now or in the long term, it's paid off because now everywhere I go, people say thank you. And I, and think, I think your communication has changed over time. Like, yeah. As I was saying, it was right at the very beginning, you were very, very passionate about it. It, it did come across as a little bit intimidating yeah. to me, but your conversation and your communication, the way you do that is, has changed. So, so yeah. Yeah, and role modeled, uh, I think it's also, it goes back to how I was brought up. You know, I, I grew up in communist Germany where we had nothing. And it was part of life to protect the environment. The environment is us. So I think it's, it's my upbringing um, that actually helps me to return to my roots of where I come from. Like all the fermentation, making products on my own. This was my childhood because we had nothing. There was no consumption, you know. And then when the wall came down, I was 15. 
I became part of this wheel of consuming because it was all new, it was exciting advertisement. I worked in the beauty company. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when I reflect on the last 20 years, I've had amazing role models. I mean, I was very fortunate to live in the US. My host mother was back then the CEO of uh, Xerox Corporation. Oh, wow. And she still continues to be a really good role model for me um, as a woman to always stand your point and listen to other people and be humble. You know, remember where you come from and treat people always with respect. The environmental part, one of my biggest role models is Dr. Jane Goodall. She works on the conservation of chimpanzees, but also the environment and actually her life motivates me every day. Mm. Uh, She's 83 years old, but for me, she's a woman who always believed in herself, but she's also had a great environment supporting her uh, on the family side. Mm even though she worked against harsh judgments from society. Yes. And this is where I also, I said, you know what, I believe in what I do, and I believe that we all can do something. So there's amazing women that do really great work around the world, but I think we don't give women enough voice mm. to share. Well, that's what we're trying to do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's, what that's I can, why I love yeah, the, about really the podcast, uh, Aching Asia, bringing women together, because I often feel like we're, we have so much to give, so much to share, but I'm sorry to say, but some of the recognition tends to go to the other counterpart, and I'm not downsizing them, but I think there's a lot of women that need to be put more Absolutely. out there, the stories that you know, of change mm. that they accomplish. Absolutely. Mm, exciting. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so we, we touched a little bit and you talked a little bit about how change can start from some very simple processes, right? Start, change can start very, very small. Um, and one of the questions that I was going to leave a little bit later, but let's, let's put it in now is, can you give some three very, very practical small tips for people who are listening to this who might really resonate with your story, want to change their behaviors, want to change their consumption habits, want to try reducing the amount of waste that they produce. Could you give us three very practical tips of of how to do that, how to start change? Is to go home Mm -hmm. and look at your surroundings. What do you think is one of your biggest waste items that you feel like you cannot really control? I mean, the things that we find on the beach is mainly plastic bottles, straws, food containers. So those are the items that do harm the environment and we continuously see them. Other items are shampoo bottles, uh, conditioner, face wash, cotton swabs that we just throw into the toilet. Um, It's really analyzing what do I have and what can I replace either with uh, a greener alternative or what can I stop using? Because in the end, you know, the average woman uses 200 products in the bathroom. You know, how much, how many eyeliners do you really need? And are you aware of what's in your eyeliner? How many lipsticks can one woman need? So it's really to look at what can I change today? And that might be different for everyone, you know? it doesn't mean that you should go home and throw everything away and like replenish everything because mm. that's why I always don't like to encourage people to do. Like my reusable bottle comes from um, the Gift of Happiness Foundation. 
they were donated the sick bottles to be sold then to their members to make money for the foundation. Mm. And I said, you know what, this is a great idea because it is solving my problem of not having to go out into a shop to buy something. It's new, but it comes through and plus the money is helping the foundation. Mm. So it could be a bottle, food containers. If you know you're using a lot of takeaway food, and you pick it up from the restaurant, you know, speak to them that they fill it into your own containers or find uh, delivery service, like the lunchbox, for absolutely. example, absolutely. that deliver with reusable containers. It's like, what can you change today? And really start with one object mm-hmm. every week. Don't start with three yes. in week one, because people, when you have a full-time job, you will feel overwhelmed. Because at the beginning it is overwhelming. Yep. I mean, when I looked in my bathroom the first time and I don't use beauty products, it was still overwhelming because I saw the shower gel, the shampoo, the conditioner, and I was like, oh my God. How you know, it's, it's maddening, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you touched a little bit on the beach cleanups. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit more about um, the beach cleanups that you do and what are the results that you've been finding and the changes for better and worse over the time that you've been running them? The beach cleanups that I joined uh, that actually came through an introduction for friends at the Creative District. I met uh, Wayne Phillips, he's a lecturer at Mayadol University from the Ecology Department. I met him over a year ago and it really inspired me and I saw the connection to my work because I wanted people to see what we throw away ends up on the beach that we cherish on the weekends. So I started over a year ago going maybe once once a month and I've never obligated anyone, but it's amazing in the last year and how many people want to come on a voluntary basis. And I said, you know what, it's a weekend. I cannot promise you lying on the beach. Maybe once we're done, yes, then it's not a problem. But normally the day trips that we take is in the morning we collect the waste we find on a very specific area of the beach, which then gets uh, taken to a specific area where we count on who are the culprits. Okay. You know, like... You um, analyze the garbage. Yeah, we analyze the garbage because what I see that there are a lot of cleanups for CSR purposes and I'm not a strong believer because the cleanup is not a solution and I'm hoping that these cleanups will teach enough people that will take us back to government. We need higher solutions. We need companies to be held responsible for the waste we find. So we analyze uh, what are the brands we find, um, what are the items we find every time we go. And that changes completely. Plastic bottles is always one of the biggest things. Food containers, straws, cutlery set. You know, you see that people, every time they get takeaway food, they get a new plastic fork, a spoon. And those are the items we find, cut and swaps, because people just toss them into the toilet without thinking, they actually run Yuck. and come out through the river and they end up on the beach. And trust me, it's not a very oh, pleasant clean horrible. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of different items. There are plastic cups that are given out in hospitals for free with the straws inside. PTT oil containers, cooking oil, beauty products. Um, it's pretty much everything we use and that makes you uh, realize like where in the chain is something broken here, yes. you know, the waste pickup. 
It's amazing. I mean, last weekend alone, we went with a German company to clean up because they're currently doing a plastic free campaign in their head office. Okay. They want to encourage people to reduce their plastic by the end of the year. And yeah, so it's, it's really nice to connect my talks and my workshops to actual practical learning opportunities where they can see they clean the beach and they are actually shocked on what they find themselves. Because one thing is for me to show it in a talk. PowerPoint presentation is not going to go into the... Yeah, but when you actually spend your Saturday morning picking up the rubbish, even though it's not yours, you can still see that we are heading into a really bad direction because, you know, this is only plastic that we find on the beach. We have no idea what's currently in the ocean. It's at this point in the conversation that I ask Madeline about the waste disposal systems on the Thai islands. She pauses and thinks for a while before replying that waste disposal systems don't really exist. I've heard from others before that often in an attempt to deal with the overflowing amounts of disposal waste, some island management tried to burn the garbage, inadvertently putting toxic plastic fumes into the environment. Others, I've heard, in a desperate attempt to keep their island clean, bundle up the garbage into plastic bags and dump it in the middle of the ocean. To be clear, these anecdotes don't come from my conversation with Madeline, but she is passionate that waste disposal systems are only part of the problem. To fix the real issue, you need to start at the source. The, all this rubbish needs to be stopped at consumption because it's not the people on the island that create all the rubbish that comes in from the ocean. They're just dealing with it. They're right? dealing with yes. it because, you know, as we finish cleaning the beach, the next day it just looks like we have done nothing. Right. And that's the heartbreaking part. So it keeps coming in. Uh, how do you deal with it? You have to you have to find ways to reduce it in Bangkok, Pattaya, and in general, make companies responsible for their waste. You know, it should not be on the beach because for them to clean it up or for us, I always attach, you know, a certain cost, mm-hmm. and that's the cost that needs to be included when they give away these cups. So instead of the, um, the companies buying or selling it for really cheap, I said, where's the environmental cost? Because who's paying for the cleanup? Who's paying for the recycling? So I feel like the, the island, of course, they have ways to reduce their own waste consumption, but I don't think it's one of the biggest problems. You talk about, as well, whenever you go on beach cleanups, you, you do a very specific area of the beach. You count... Yes. The culprits. <laughs> you, you count what is on the beach. Uh, you analyze that. You, you put that into numbers. You put that yes. into data, right? What do you then do with the data? What do you, what do you want to do with the numbers? Um, for me, in the long term, is to contact the companies. And this is my next step, actually, together also with Wayne. Um, first of all, the tourism companies, mm-hmm. you know, the hotels. And what can we do solution-wise to reduce the waste in the hotel? but then also go um, to big government organizations to show them these are the numbers. You know, uh, this is the cost of cleaning up the waste alone in Bangkok. If companies are paying taxes on disposable items, then you can also pay. But in the end, it's not only about paying, it's reducing the amount of waste. Because in Asia, we're talking a very high population. In Bangkok, Thais use 520 million in plastic bags per day. 500 
and 20 million plastic bags per day. Wow. So calculate that by the end of the month on how yes. many plastic bags. And so these are basic things we need to bring into communication, mm-hmm. communication at all levels. But that's again, when I go to talks, people are not aware of it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I created the app through uh, to teach, to help um, use the knowledge I have and share it to the biggest audience possible. Because as soon as people start playing the game and they see the impact of plastic on the environment, how many foam containers are used daily? What's the impact of foam on your health? Mm. They start changing. Mm. So it goes back to education. And we all need to connect all the dots and see how can we work together. And I mean, that's one of the fantastic things this year with the Bangkok River cleanup, because we will start finally data collection. Yes. That means everything we find around the hotels and in the surrounding area will be collected this year. And then next year, the next cleanup, we can compare yeah. because their strategy is to go plastic free. Maybe the hotel can achieve it, but, but what about the surrounding community yes. where a lot of the waste comes from? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we get um, private stakeholders involved with local stakeholders? You yes. know, hotels helping local markets to change, mm-hmm. maybe to better alternatives and uh, take away food containers. Mm-hmm. We need to connect people that have the solution with people that have maybe the financial um, backing the financial backing and for the government to also step in possibly and f- um, find anyone that litters or find companies for selling products that create all this waste you know uh, you need to add taxes because the money to clean this up has to come somewhere let's talk about the, the Bangkok River cleanup now and let's let's talk about sustainable change because that's something that I'm really interested in and that's that's also what I've seen kind of um, understanding your work and knowing mm. what you do and knowing that you've been doing for the past two years I, I also have seen a big kind of change in particularly the last year, the last six months, mm. suddenly there are all of these river cleanups, there's another beach cleanup I think in mm. in Gosamet, I think there's a couple of different things and I've seen the UN even is doing a campaign, um, there's quite a few organisations mm. that have seemed to jump on the bandwagon of zero waste, zero plastic and it seems to be kind of creating a bit of a buzz in Bangkok at the moment, which is fantastic, which is great. But my cynical self, I guess, asks how sustainable is that change? Is, is it just, is it a fashion? Uh, are all of these organizations seeing that this is just what's happening at the moment? Let's jump on the bandwagon and create a campaign or, or create an event um, to, to shine a spotlight mm. on, on, on consumption and on zero waste. But, how do we keep that change happening and how do we, we create a sustainable solution? Yeah, th- I think yeah. that's one of the biggest... That's the biggest question. Yeah, yeah, it's the biggest question. It's one of the things that I also try to address. You know, the cleanup, when I found out about the cleanup on Kosamed, which was last weekend, I met up with uh, Javier from the Eco Oil Foundation, who I met at the Sustainable Brands last year. They, in Spain, they work with uh, what the fishermen find in the oceans, the plastic, the fish nets, and they turn it into yarn and then in upcycle clothing. So 
when I found out he was coming to Bangkok, I arranged to sit down with him because there's so much going on. But what is the what's the future? And this is the long term conversation I had with him and. It's one of my biggest concerns, actually, because I said to him, I, I love that there's a solution for the waste found on the beach. But what I wrote in, a, in my feedback exactly on an article this week was, well, is the yarn always going to come from the waste we find on the beach? How do we stop it from going to the beach? Because you shouldn't have to obligate local farmers or volunteers to come up with the yarn that then goes into very high-end clothing. Because that actually, in a way, creates a cycle of, I don't know how to say it, of, of, uh, of need, I guess. Like, they're, they're creating yarn from the plastic mm -hmm. on the sand of the beach. They need the yarn, yes. therefore they need the plastic on the beach to create the yarn to then sell the clothing. It's, it's actually creating a, a chain of, it's not stopping, it's not stopping the plastic. It, there's, it's creating a use for the plastic. Yes, but, but it's, it's not, not stop. It's not stopping it. And right. I think it shouldn't come from the waste we find on the beach. If they need more yarn, then they could, for example, uh, install the bottle scheme like we have in Germany in Norway, where people, once they finish using their bottle, they return it and get money back. Right. So they could work with recycling. But in the end, it's not a long-term solution sure. because it goes back again that fashion is one of the biggest waste items in mm -hmm. the world. So here, I like it as an upcycling option, mm -hmm. but I don't see it as an end solution because in the end, you know, we're running out of oil. So where are the new plastic bottles coming from? And how many jackets does one need? in the world. I know we're going to be 9 billion people by 2050, but I'm, I'm concerned and I look at a lot of these options and initiatives and if anyone from the UN listens to this, <laughs> I also, are you listening UN? <laughs> I, I've been to the headquarters and it's very easy to make a campaign, but then everyone needs to follow a certain uh, lifestyle. It cannot be that I go to the UN headquarters and I cannot get a ceramic cup in in the coffee shop itself. You know, and w when you look at the lifestyle of every person, it's like how much are you making change to really be part of this campaign? Because these campaigns, I see them, there's a lot of money put in. Yes. Beautiful. But how much waste do you create when you create this campaign? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know, and those are the kind of issues I have, and this is one of the reasons why I met up with Javier, because I said, I totally want to support the project, because for the moment I see it as a solution, but we need to go back in the chain and educate people why it should not end up at the beach. Yes, in the because, first place. Exactly. Mm. So raise awareness, educate people, like what can we do so you get your product but not in this way. Is yes. it because for us to make an effort and clean the beach, I could imagine spending my Saturday in a completely different way. Lying on the beach without plastic in the first place. Exactly. So yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's a hype, there's a fashion, and I don't think it should be a fashion. I think it needs to be a huge concern, and that goes back to individual people recognizing how much waste do I create? Because it's very easy to point fingers at everyone. 
without looking in the mirror and say, am I actually what proud am I of me? Yes, exactly. So it's, and this is where I normally pinpoint when I see these campaigns. Yes. I'm not afraid to speak out anymore because it is an issue. You know, I see the money that goes in there and I said, you know what, we can use the money in going into schools, bringing more awareness and support small companies that are actually doing change yes. but i don't see that happening so i don't think we need a un for the solution i don't think we need big fancy campaigns i think we need the money to be used to be spread fairly mm -hmm. for companies that are leading change but they don't have the right financial backing but they are providing solutions yes it's just help people find local solutions you know and in the end it's educating people and putting the money in the right place you yeah. know these one day or one month campaigns they might raise awareness but how do you achieve long-term long change results exactly yeah have exactly. behavior change and we're living in a throwaway culture that gives me goosebumps every day i leave my house gives me goosebumps too <laughs> i've got them right now <laughs> I want to talk about the reach of your work and the reach mm. of, of the sustainable self. I mean, we're here in Bangkok, we're, we're talking in um, Bangkok University, but has your work mostly, is your work mostly being focused in, in Thailand and in Bangkok or has it, have, have you worked regionally at all with your, with your programs, with beach cleanups or, I mean, I understand that your blog kind of, and the pictures that you post on, on Instagram and, and technology and social media has been able to spread your, your message far and wide, which is fantastic, but kind of hands-on hands -on work and hands-on projects that you are involved with, have, have, have that been mostly in Thailand or have you worked regionally as well? Uh, for the moment, it's only Thailand. Yeah. And I actually want to focus only on Thailand. I've been invited to give speeches, but I'm giving myself time okay. because I'm not ready to take it to another level because I really want to focus on growing in a healthy direction. And this is where my uh, sustainable thinking kicks in. When I start traveling, I have to analyze my carbon footprint. You know, like how much uh, CO2 will I produce if I get on a plane to Bali? Is there a better local solution? Because even if you get on a plane and I bring my bottle, etc., can I refill my bottle at the airport? <laughs> like, uh, even though I decline the food on the airport uh, on the airline they still give me they still have it calculated for me. for you yes so for me that's creating more food waste they yes. bring the blankets in plastic wrappers so i might not use the blanket but someone else will and yes. so this is the whole thinking is like i really want to stay true and i know that there are a lot of co waste people educating around the world and that's one of my biggest concerns is like as soon as you travel everything that you created or reduced in the last year totally diminishes because or you might offset and this is where i'm looking to participate in projects where i can also offset like by helping plant trees mm -hmm. and to really regenerate what my lifestyle might have destroyed in the process you know to make my tooth brush that is from bamboo etc anything to to balance out you know, because sometimes I use the motorcycle and I know it's not the greenest, mm. most zero waste option. But in my case, sometimes in Bangkok, it's the best way to get anywhere. Mm. It's necessary. It's necessary. So, yeah, every move I take, mm. I really analyze down to the core and like, what is my footprint if I do decide to travel? Mm. 
to other Asian countries. And it's coming more and more, but my focus is right now. I think Bangkok needs to help. Thailand needs to help. Madeline tells me that something that she's really enjoyed about her lifestyle change is the community that she's managed to build around her. And there are so many amazing people I've met through my Instagram posts, people who are doing amazing jobs around the world. I connect with a lot of zero-waste blockers that come to Bangkok. They want to find out what can I do when I travel through Bangkok, like where do I refill my bottle? Yeah. What about food containers? Yeah, every month people come and I meet with them in Bangkok and it's really empowering wow. to see their work in their own countries. You know, I've, I receive gifts sometimes from local projects that I actually want to, want to say thank you for raising more awareness of going back to local products. You know, so I got this beautiful, these beautiful bags from Laos, nature bags, oh. but they're all hand-knitted by a community that's totally poverty-stricken. So I'd rather support an organization like this than a famous brand, you know, because in, in, in the end it goes back into their pocket. I'd like to ask you now, because this is a, this is a part of our, our podcast series and this is what, what we'll be asking each guest mm-hmm. actually that we have on, on our show. But you're our very first one, so I'd like you to recommend a woman who inspires you. Uh, someone who's doing some incredible work that we can interview next. Yes. Actually, when you asked me that question, I knew immediately... Who you wanted to. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't really have to think about it, because Gigi and I, we've been friends since I moved to Thailand almost five years ago. I met her through a common friend, and I've been absolutely blown away by her determination. Her full name is Geraldine Nemrod. She's a French citizen, but her work with the Klong Toy Music Program is is beyond inspirational because she has really, she's left a job at the university to fully dedicate, to give the kids in Klong Toy an opportunity to learn music and get away from the environment of you know drugs violence abuse and giving them an outlet to find maybe happiness in a different way find a different direction a career possibly in in music or just yeah a different way to connect with the community and my god i don't know where she gets the energy from (laughs) but she's really built and a beautiful project. Mm. I love what she does, you know, she's a she's a foreigner mm. working in the slums, she's the only foreigner working with local Thai artists and it's very hard to find people that have their heart yes. 100% in their work. I mean, sometimes I tell her, I said, my God, I would have thrown in the towel at this point. It's just her dedication and her belief that she can be part mm. of change, positive change for mm. these kids and she's just done remarkable work and for me she's an inspiration when I feel I have the blues. <laughs> well, I think we all have that person, right? We exactly. all have that person. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to, to talk to her. I know a little bit about the, the music program but I'm, yeah, I'm excited to talk to her further. Thank you for that. We'll, we'll get in touch with her. So finally, Madeline, um, I just wanted to ask whether you're happy to share your contact details or any any way that people listening to this might get in touch with you further. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a Facebook page or a website that they can go to? Yes, I have a Facebook page that is called The Sustainable Self. Instagram is The Sustainable Self BKK and the website 
the sustainable self blog.wordpress.com. Instagram, Facebook is probably the best way to get in touch with me. As we came to the final part of our discussion, I asked Madeline if there was anything final that she would like to share with us. There is a quote that I want to leave in the room, and it's again by Dr. Jane Goodall. What you do makes a difference. When you wake up in the morning, you can think about what's the kind of difference you want to make. What's the kind of uh, environment you want to leave behind, you know, and even whether it's small or not, nobody has the right to judge you on the change you decide to do. So just go for it. You know what, if anyone is not following it, they might not understand what you're doing. So give them time, be patient. But be mindful about the choices you make every day in your life because it's we as humans we impact Mother Earth in so many different ways. And whether you have time or not, we all have five minutes every day to start change. It feels incredibly empowering when people reach out to me, friends we met in different parts of the world and they said, you know, I changed my life in St. Petersburg, in Barcelona, because of what you do. And that for me is, I want to pass that on, that feeling of empowerment that we all can be part of change. It does not require a specific resume or personality. We all can be part of it. And I think the community that I build around feels so rich at the moment. It's an inspiration what you're doing and you're, you're impacting many people all over the world as you said so thank you very much for being our first guest. No thank you Nikki I really <laughs> appreciate it that you considered me the yeah. first uh, guest and I, uh, I love what you do especially. It's, I, I feel the, the events bringing the women together has been yeah, one of the points I really enjoy. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Akin Asia podcast and our next guest will be Geraldine Nemrod of the Kong Toy Music Program. Thank you very much for listening and if you like our program, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts.